1: This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch.
0: Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me for a conversation today with my friend, Julie Winkle Giulione. And Julie helps organizations enhance learning, engagement, retention, and the bottom line. She is an author, a speaker, a consultant, and she is, uh, you may know her as the author of the book, Help Them Grow or Watch Them Go. And you might also remember that Julie was on this podcast about a year ago talking about her book and some of the work she's done around helping organizations develop their people and especially in the career development space, employee development space. And I've invited Julie to come back on the show to talk specifically about giving employees development during these uh, challenging times under coronavirus or COVID-19, where so many people are working remotely. And so I'm excited to have Julie on the show today to talk about that, as well as a little preview of an upcoming webinar she's got coming up with us on, it is uh, Thursday, April 16th at noon Eastern. So Julie, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks, Andy, and delighted to be with you.
0: Yeah, so great to have you on and, and you and I have developed a, a great friendship over the last year or so since you've been on and we talk all the time and you know, I reference your book and some of the things you talk about often, I know you speak, you, you do learning design, you're really an expert on this whole idea of employee experience, employee engagement, and um, things have changed a lot in the last couple months. But Before we get to everything going on with coronavirus and working remotely, let's just start with A quick intro, who are you, what do you do, and then uh, we'll get into some stuff about employee development.
1: Great, great. So I'm an author and speaker and consultant on the topic of career development, engagement, and leadership development. So I work with organizations worldwide, really helping people realize their potential and also do, as you mentioned, a lot of instructional design work helping organizations figure out how to deploy the right learning to the right people in the right way in order to really move the needle and, and realize business outcomes. And that's certainly important uh, now as it has been before.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And let's just dig into how important that is because it, we know, you and I know it's critical. I think a lot of our listeners do as well, but you know, for the couple that don't, why is development so important now so much more than... If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is, there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world, and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank Community as a central and safe place to access information ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks and on to the episode. ever has been before.
1: Yeah, you know, development from my perspective is probably the most powerful lead, uh, lever that leaders and organizations have, not just to build capacity for the individual and in the organization, but it does so much more as well. I mean, we know from the research That career development leads to greater levels of engagement and job satisfaction. It leads to greater customer satisfaction, more discretionary effort, better retention, innovation, quality, the list goes on and on. And so when leaders can um, develop the ability to grow their folks, when organizations can support that kind of development, it becomes the the ultimate win-win.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's easy to make a business case as well, because as you said, it can improve results, it can improve innovation, it can re- improve retention, which you know, I'm seeing studies that the attrition of employees can cost up to $100,000 or more per employee. So when you're losing a lot of employees, it could be millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, it's because they're not engaged. They don't feel like they're getting the development they need because You know, in the old days, while salary and security and benefits were enough, now we're hearing from people that they want to know that they're going to get some development opportunities. They're going to be able to learn. They're going to be able to grow. They're asking, you know, what type of person are they going to become? Not thinking about necessarily a long term career or working in a place for 20 years, but what can they get? How are they going to grow? And then if they get that, there's a chance they may hang around. So are you hearing and seeing that as well?
1: Oh, yeah, without a doubt, career development is one of the top reasons people either stay or leave or come to an organization. And so without a doubt, it's a a powerful, um, you know, magnet for your top talent. And, you know, as, as we look at the future, you know, you're looking at new numbers around unemployment, we're looking at a very different employment landscape, perhaps, once we come out on the other side of this. The truth is that top talent is always going to be in demand. There's always going to be stiff competition. And so organizations that are going to succeed are the ones who are investing in the development that will help to retain that talent.
0: Absolutely. And there's a lot of great organizations out there that have been investing a lot in development. You and I are both lucky to work with many of them. But a lot of times that development is done in person, right? Classroom experiences, people are traveling. They're getting together. There's a lot of engagement and networking that happens to improve the employee experience in the office. But now we're in unprecedented times where, you know, because of coronavirus, everybody around the world is working remotely other than essential workforce. And so everybody's trying to figure out not only how do I get things done, but how do we develop our people and still give them these opportunities? And it's a challenge for a lot of people but I know you see it as an opportunity. I was looking at a quote I saw from you the other day that said sheltering in place offers a unique opportunity to look inward, make a commitment to improvement and growth and take deliberate steps now that will prepare us for future success. Can you tell me more about that?
1: Well, yeah, you know, this is an unprecedented time. There's no way around that. And when I look at the opportunity, you know, the question really is, how are we going to use this time? Um, from my perspective, the most powerful investment we can make right now is in our development, in our growth, in our learning. Doing that, using this time in that way, is going to certainly prepare us for an uncertain, you know, an ambiguous future. But what it also does, you know, an investment in and a focus on learning right now, it also addresses a lot of the challenges that many of us are feeling during this time of, of sheltering in place and working remotely. You know, there's a lot of stress out there, and rightly so. And the nervous system regulates itself by giving, you know, having something that absorbs its complete focus. And learning is a great focuser for the mind. You look at a lot of organizations are finding that their people have some excess bandwidth. You know, folks who can't go out and talk to customers or engage with suppliers like they used to might have some extra time on their hand that could be, you know, constructively, strategically used toward learning. And then there's the whole need for connection. You know, as we've had to, you know, go inward and remove ourselves from the workplace, uh, the physical workplace. There are a lot of folks who are feeling disconnected and feeling a little bit adrift and learning, depending upon how it's deployed, can be a tool for creating that connection as well. So from my perspective, learning and development is going to prepare us for the long haul, but it's also going to help us get through today.
0: Absolutely. And just because people are working from home doesn't mean they don't still want to learn and grow or they don't need it. I know personally, I uh, still invest a lot in learning and growth. I'm reading books every day, listening to podcasts, taking courses, all the things that I want to do to continue to grow, which brings up a question in my mind that I've asked a few different people, especially prescient now. I think when you think about the need for learning and the investment of developing and learning for ourselves, whose responsibility is it to continue that? Is it the employees or is it their employers, the organization?
1: I think it's a joint responsibility. You know, certainly the individual is is responsible, accountable for the growth that they pursue or they don't. And yet leaders have a huge, can play a huge role in terms of supporting that, enabling it really carving out the space and and offering the the support that's required for folks to be able to grab their development, you know, and really move it forward. And the organization has a role in terms of creating a hospitable environment that really enables it. You know, when I think about COVID-19, one of the most powerful lessons I think we're all walking away with is that we're all in this together. And when it comes to development, I kind of see it that way too. We're all in this together, working together to help each individual optimize their, their learning, their knowledge, and, and ultimately their performance and contribution.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I think employees, uh, we want employers to provide some great opportunities and options to employees, but employees also have the responsibility to own their own career and own their own development, I think. So, with that in mind, and you know, this is something that I care a lot about, and I'm writing a book about, and you've got a great book in this space. What do you think are some things that people? So, we're talking about individuals, employees of big companies that are now working remotely, but still want that development. What are some things that they should be doing to continue to own their own careers and development?
1: Well, and the ownership, I think, becomes all the more important um, right now because, as you said, in the past. Much of the learning was in person, and so that's gone away. But also in the past, a lot of the learning was organized for the employee. And right now, as business operations are shifting, as priorities need to adjust to meet changing conditions, some of that organization, you know, serving it up to the employee, might not be happening the way it did before. And so that sense of of autonomy and entrepreneurship almost when it comes to one's uh, development becomes important. And so, you know, the first thing probably is that employees, all of us need to figure out how to find the time to do the development that's going to serve them now and lay the foundation for later. And, you know, there are lots of ways of thinking about that. Of course, one is to create a learning routine. And it sounds like you, you know, had that in place long before this, but, mm-hmm. you know, establishing a sense of normalcy can be supported by routines and learning is a great routine for just creating that sense of cadence and predictability you know i know for myself at lunchtime each day i sit down and i read one of the articles that i had clipped and stuck in the, that ever-growing pile before i go to bed at night i'm doing a, a course and so i do a, a short segment of that and just that kind of routine can be a powerful uh, tool, not just to you know kind of get in the habit, and continue the learning, but to settle ourselves during this
0: time. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of importance to consistency and to scheduling things in because we live in a world of constant demands, and most people are in kind of reaction mode throughout the day, right? We're always getting emails and texts and social media notifications, and there's so many things to react to. And so if you don't schedule it in uh, intentionally like you would a meeting or anything else, then a lot of times it doesn't happen. So I, as you mentioned, I've got it built into my routine for many years now. I get up very early for a morning routine and that includes reading for 15 or 20 minutes or a little bit more every morning around 5 a.m. when there are not really any distractions. You know, kids are sleeping, no phones ringing, that kind of thing. Uh, And then, you know, if I'm taking courses like I am in one right now for the book, it's blocked off once a week. For an hour and a half where I'm working on that. And so I can't schedule anything else over it. And that's where I think a lot of people make the mistake is they don't prioritize the learning, the development, whatever activity it may be. And so they're just, they don't ever make time for it.
1: Exactly, exactly. So that scheduling, it, the having the routine. That's one piece of it. But then there is that other side of the, the coin too. There are, especially right now, given the new working situations that a lot of people are facing, there are a lot more potential ad hoc opportunities for growth and development. Those lulls that we hit during the day. I don't know about you, but mid-afternoon, I hit that kind of a low energy period where I'm feeling a little bit distracted, a little bit burned out. And you know, learning can be a great alternative to making another trip to the, the refrigerator and packing on the COVID-19-15 <laughs> that many of us are grappling with. or right. You know, mining those spare moments. I've worked remotely for thirty years. I was doing it before it was in, in vogue, was cool. um, and had great great cadence associated with that. But now, with other family members in the house, with the you know just that overlay of anxiety that's operating, I find that I've got these weird little lulls of time, these minutes uh, in between things. That can either, you know, be frittered away going back to CNN to see, you know, the same articles I just looked at a few hours ago, or, you know, I can use that as an opportunity to click in and watch an 18-minute TED Talk. So there's a way to kind of balance both the structure, of the routine, with taking advantage. I was reading something, you probably already are aware of it, but the average American spends 100 minutes a day commuting many of those folks have now traded that hundred minute commute for
0: a- this episode of the talent development hot seat is sponsored by advantage performance group advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead sellers to sell and your business to flourish we specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives we're also providing tons of great content on a weekly basis in fact We recently launched a great webinar series that has been going on weekly with content such as creating a culture of multipliers, gender equity, Liz Weissman's webinar on helping rid the world of bad bosses. We have a new webinar from Brent Snow on decision making. We have a webinar on multipliers and how to use multipliers during troubled times, calming the storm. We have a webinar from our partner, Julie Winkle Giuliani, on developing in place, how to continue your growth during remote working, and a webinar from Paul Middleton on the secret sauce for learning in the flow of work, plus many more. Just head to our website at advantageperformance.com. Click on free resources, and you'll find the link to webinars and all of our other insights and resources there. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show.
1: Quick walk from the bedroom to the dining room. Yeah. And so we've got some, some extra bandwidth. And the, I go back to the question how are we going to use this time? I say develop.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You're right. Some people have extra time. Some people have less time, you know, because of kids and whatever's going on. Either way, prioritizing your time and, and thinking about how you're spending it, where you're spending it, when you're going to do the things you're going to do is so critical, which is why I spend that time in the morning, not only reading, but also I take out a journal and plan my day and the important things I want to get to. And, make sure I'm ready for the schedule coming up. And you know, I always encourage people to do that because I think it's, it's so important. Um, and I know both of us are, are definitely big uh, proponents of that. Let's get to the organization side as far as providing development opportunities to people. Some organizations were ready for this and had a lot of digital virtual options. Some were not. Right, and so for those that are either not or in the middle, uh, what should they be thinking about doing to start to provide more options to employees who are no longer in the office and can't travel?
1: Well, there are a lot of ways that organizations can pivot here to make make learning available to their folks in a, a virtual way. From my perspective, what it really boils down to is putting their money where their employees' minds are. So really sticking to their guns, continuing to invest in learning and working with a couple of organizations who recognize they can't pivot quickly enough to make everything that folks need available online immediately. And so they're offering a small reimbursement, a stipend for education that allows folks to, back to your point, own their career, find the learning that they need and go get what they need. But it sends such a powerful message to people that, hey, you know, we're invested. It doesn't matter what's going on here. We know that learning is what's going to to be the differentiator. So, you know, that's part of it. It doesn't have to be a programmatic shift. It's a maintenance of a mindset that really plays out powerfully in terms of how dollars continue to be spent. Um, You know, another subtle thing is even how leaders, how executives are talking during this period of time. You know, are the executives being transparent about the challenges, the actions they're taking, the mistakes, the failures, the lessons learned? I mean, are they demonstrating a learning orientation and a growth mindset in the communication that is so vital? And, and powerful right now. How they talk about their own learning sets the example for how others should be thinking about theirs. And then the other thing to really think about as an organization is how widely can you open the vault on all of the resources that you have? Many organizations have lots of on demand resources, videos, other things that have been sorted and stratified for certain audiences. You know, you have to be a level XYZ to be able to access this, or you have to reach this pinnacle to be able to get into that. And, you know, when you look at MIT, just opening the doors, giving everybody whatever they want in terms of their curriculum. I mean, like what organization has the right to withhold anything at this point? So being a little bit more, you know, generous to make whatever is available more broadly available for folks to be able to take advantage of during this time is key. And then of course the migration to virtual. That's how I am spending 16 hours a day these days working with organizations, helping them strategize how to pivot, how to take that instructor-led experience. And you're not going to be able to replicate all of the the same affective outcomes, but you can replicate an awful lot of the behavioral and performance outcomes. And so how do you do that swiftly so that you don't miss a beat and get people what they need as expeditiously as possible?
0: I love that in this interview, you have referenced a couple of times a lull in the middle of the day, like you had nothing to do, and then also mentioned that you're working 16 hours a day to turn... (laughs) To turn learning into virtual programs. <laughs> Do you sleep?
1: <laughs> oh, it's totally overrated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll sleep when I dead when I'm dead. That's what I used to say. I've right. realized right. the importance of sleep now, so I try to get a lot more. Um, and I know you're managing your schedule well. But let me let me get to that idea of virtual learning. Um, my organization, Advantage Performance Group. You know, full disclosure, you are one of our thought leader partners and. I'm very happy to introduce you to any clients that, you know, want help with this, but we've been frantically, you know, getting all of our programs uh, turned virtual. A lot of organizations, clients I've been talking to doing the same thing. I know you've been working on both classroom and virtual experiences for years. What are some of your of top tips? I know it depends on the program, but advice for organizations that are that are kind of in this scramble now thinking, oh my gosh, we got to take these classroom programs and make them virtual. How can they make them still engaging and effective?
1: Right, right. Well, the first thing is to choose the courses wisely. We're, it, we have to prioritize like never before right now. And so really making sure that we're picking the, the skills, the knowledge, the information that's most helpful for people today. Is the first thing, and then it's a matter of really looking at your learning outcomes and getting grounded in that as you as you make that shift into remote uh, delivery. Choosing a great platform is one of the most important things. So many platforms fall short of the functionality that can as closely as possible replicate the instructor-led experience. So, for instance. Having a platform that offers chat whereby you could ask a question and everybody can chat in and everyone can see everyone else's responses, that is the alternative to a large group discussion in ILT. Some platforms don't allow the participants to actually see the product of that chat. And so it makes for a a very subpar experience. Being able to use polls, great way, you know, whereas you might have people raising their hand in the classroom, you can do the same thing through an online poll. Even whiteboards, letting people draw and circle and as silly as it sounds, it sometimes turns out looking like, you know, graffiti created by three-year-olds, but it's energizing and engaging for participants. Making sure that you've got the right functionality on your platform is key. And then the other piece of it is making sure you've got skillful facilitators. Facilitating online is a very different experience than facilitating in person. And we probably don't have enough time to go into all of that right now. But it does require a heightened skill set. And I'm not talking even about the technology. I mean, that goes without saying but the, the skill of being able to engage and to maintain one's energy without live people in the room is unique. And, uh, and so you want to make sure that you're not putting anybody in a position to do that, just thinking, oh, you know, how hard can it be? Because it can be hard.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I have got a few of those facilitation uh, jobs coming up where I'm going to be facilitating a program virtually. And uh, I haven't done any yet. Um, but I've got a few coming up and I'm going to seek out some coaching and mentorship from others that have because even though I like to think myself as a very good facilitator, I've been on stage doing it for years. And I've also been running meetings and stuff on Zoom for years. Um, but I know there are going to be some intricacies, you know, some nuances, like you said, keeping the energy up, keep people engaged, probably some best practices that I want to learn before I jump in there and just try to wing it, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, and it might be a benefit to even do a, a practice run. Do a couple of sessions and work out the kinks because a, a couple of times doing it, you get really clear on where you need to put more uh, or, or less attention in some cases.
0: Yeah, absolutely. makes sense. Um, so you talked about choosing um, the right platform, choosing the right content, um, not just changing it over, but looking at how can you really make it engaging? Can you break it apart? And making sure that your facilitation is up to snuff, that you're thinking about it, approaching it from a virtual facilitation standpoint, then not just uh, in person. And it's funny that as you're talking about you know, the importance of the platform and making things engaging, you know, there's plenty of consumer apps that are already doing this very well. And as I'm sitting here interviewing you, I'm listening in the very next room is my daughter on uh, an iPad app talking live with her grandmother, playing some kind of learning games together, uh, yeah. you know, while like FaceTiming or, or speaking live and on video, and uh, they're both really engaged and, and loving it.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's so exciting, you know, it's as devastating as it is that children can't go to their schools every day. It is exciting to see how technology is going to bring itself into and elevate the, the you know, K to 12 school environment.
0: Speaking of school, this is kind of an aside, but you mentioned MIT opening up their learning and a lot of universities doing this. And now I don't really know many college students, but I know they're all finishing their classes virtually now. Do you think this is going to fundamentally change how education, especially um, secondary education works? Because traditionally, people have paid tens of thousands of dollars to go to a university in person, and now they're getting the same learning online. I know it's not not as engaging or not as fun, but I feel like this could really have an impact. A lot of people may not want to go back.
1: Uh, That's a million dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. You know, here's what I hope. I I don't know. I'm not going to try to predict. What I hope is that we can enhance the live and in-person community based way that we learn in that in a college setting that we can enhance that with technology. That we can take that learning to the next level as a result of what we learn about how technology can support the learning. But when I think about college, there is so much to be learned outside of the classroom mm-hmm. that it would it would be a pity for folks to not have that opportunity.
0: Yeah, I agree. I had a great time in college and business school, and it was a lot of fun. It wouldn't have been as fun if I had done it over Zoom. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> and and the other question that's related to that too, which is just metaphorical or or rhetorical right now, but you know, our employees going to want to go back to work because now they get to work from home and they're getting everything done and they don't want to do that 100-minute commute anymore. I think it's a yeah, lot yeah. in our economy and our society when this is all done.
1: Yeah, I started to, to read a little bit about that. And, uh, and you're right. And once folks get the setup down, then the barriers to be able to continue to do that are removed. And so how is an organization going to be able to hold the line on, you must come back, the only thing is, here's what I, I really believe is that this pause in our ability to be with each other is going to remind us how important it is to be with one another. I think we're going to return from this with a renewed sense of value um, when we look at our, our colleagues and
0: co-workers.
1: And so it might be that one doesn't have to be back at the office to
0: get the If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new talent development think tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to TDTT.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's TDTT.us slash community, and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know, and we'll see you there.
1: The work done, but one might choose to for the return to community.
0: I agree. I'm a big fan of community. I think humans need um, social interaction. We're social creatures. So I think we'll return to that. But you never know. Things may change. Last question for you, Julie. We have a webinar coming up on uh, Thursday, April 16th at noon Eastern. And I'm going to do my best to get this published ahead of time. So people, hopefully, if you're hearing this before April 16th, uh, come join us live, but there will be a replay as well. Uh, So April 16th, noon Eastern, we'll put a link in the show notes. For us to talk about this subject of developing in place, and I know we've touched on some of the subjects already, but could you give a quick preview of what is going to happen or what we're going to cover in that webinar?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's really kind of threefold. We are going to look at what employees can do in terms of finding the time, like we talked about, but then finding the resources. How can they seek out and make sure that they are in a kind of do-it-yourself mode during this time of transition and be able to self-source and uh, resource themselves uh, for learning? We'll also be talking about the leader's role. We didn't talk much about that, but they've got, you know, a role in terms of helping to ensure this happens and then more broadly, the organization support, things that we can do at the executive and organizational level to really enable folks to leverage this unprecedented time for unprecedented
0: learning. Absolutely. Sounds like it's going to be a good one. I've got it blocked on my calendar. Again, that is going to be Thursday, April 16th at noon Eastern. That'll be a 30-minute webinar followed by a 15-minute Q&A. We'll drop a link in the show notes. So take a look for that. If for some reason you can't find it, just go to advantageperformance.com and there should be a link there on the homepage and even if you miss it live, there will be a replay And I know just from all my conversations with you that it's going to be great. So uh, Julie, until then, thank you again for coming on the podcast and sharing your advice in these challenging times.
1: Thank you, Andy. It's a pleasure talking with you.
0: All right, take care. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again and take care.